0: From the Mercy One studio. Welcome to Straight Talk, a lively discussion on tough issues impacting our lives. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio. Here's your host, Gene Wells, brought to you by Blackbird Investments.
1: Hey, welcome to Straight Talk on Iowa Catholic Radio, your weekly dose of news from the diocese and around the world. Commentary on issues that are giving us angst. That's most of everything this time of year with this coronavirus. Oh Lord, I pray for our listeners, for their safety, for their families. Um, it is a time for us all called to prayer. You're listening to Straight Talk. You've got questions. Hopefully, we have some answers for you today. I'm Jean Wells, and so blessed to be bro- broadcasting from the Mercy One Studio here at Iowa Catholic Radio. Uh, I'm the only one in studio, plus our producer. Uh, We are on lockdown like everyone else, keeping our guests all on the phone um, to do as, as best we can to protect everyone here at the station so we can continue to bring you updates and news of relevance to you and your family. So grateful also to Blackbird Investments for sponsoring Straight Talk. Doing what is challenging because it is right, that is Blackbird Investments. When it comes to building real estate, they look for creative solutions by forming strategic alliances, creating energy-efficient buildings, and engaging with local craftsmen. At its core, Blackbird believes in giving buildings a new life. For more information, they're online, blackbirdinvest.com. Hey, I want to give a shout out to Sandy in Wisconsin. She posted on Facebook today that she enjoys listening to Iowa Catholic Radio while she is working from home. So, Sandy, thank you for joining Iowa Catholic Radio. We love to hear from everyone. If uh, this social distancing is keeping you a little stir crazy, text us at 515-223-1150. We love to hear from you throughout the show. And actually, I check our text line all the time, so I'll keep you posted on what's going on. Uh, On today's show, um, we're talking about whether being Catholic is hard work. Um, There are the things we have to do, and are those things, all those things you have to believe, and all those expectations to be good and holy, never swear at anything, even the coronavirus. It's just too hard. Well, is that it? Is that why there is such an increase in those who assign themselves as none when it comes to religious affiliation? Uh, Or with all those requirements, is it that sense of lack of freedom? Well, Why should I have to follow all those rules? I believe in God. I don't have to belong to a church to tell me what to do. Or Is it just apathy? I just don't care. I don't see what the big deal is. Or is it the judgment passed on the church and its sinful past or the perception that we pass judgment on people for their sinful present? We can't get to a solution unless we identify the root causes first. And today the guests that will be joining me, John Wynn is going to be my co-host today. He's a director of Faith Journey office for the Diocese of Des Moines, and Dr. Trisha Bruce, she's an affiliate of the University of Notre Dame's Center for the Study of Religious and um, Religion and Society, as well as an adjunct research associate professor of sociology with the University of Texas at San Antonio. So we're going to delve into those very reasons why there is such an increase in non- You know, we've all experienced times of temptation to doubt, so I don't want you to think I've never waffled in my faith. Um, And in reading yesterday's Magnificat, as I was finishing preparation for today's show, in yesterday's Magnificat reflection, it addressed our issue. And the author asked a holy priest, if miracles still happen, then why doesn't everyone believe in his reply, this holy priest said, there's two reasons. Most people don't know about the miracle. Okay. Others don't want to believe because they have to change their lives if they do believe. Hmm. Doesn't that fit in with today's topic? So we'll talk about these life-changing events, life-changing to our faith here. But first, a, a couple of events. This Friday, March 27th, right where you are. Uh, Bishop Johnson asks um, us to be in solidarity with Pope Francis on this special day of prayer, fasting, and abstinence for those um, for the eradication of this COVID nineteen virus. For those who are ill from it, those who have died, and their families, uh, for the healthcare folks, and all of those who are essential to our society who put their very lives on the line for the protection and well-being of our society. So this Friday, just like you do on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, make it a day of prayer and abstinence and fasting uh, for the eradication of this virus. And if you're looking forward to June on a happier note, when hopefully this is all in the past and you are ready to play a little golf, uh, it's time to, uh, maybe while you're home, Line up your foursome and sign up for the Iowa Catholic Radio golf outing. It is June 12th, blank golf course. Uh, You can sign up online at iowacatholicradio.com. Oh, some items in the news. Uh, The coronavirus or COVID-19 has dominated the news, including in our own diocese. We are all experiencing a new norm, the advent of daily online masses, Prayer intentions and opportunities for Eucharistic Eucharistic adoration have been a blessing for all of us. Uh, Families taking on homeschooling with a new attention to their children and a growing respect for their teachers is a gift for those kiddos and for their parents. The heightened compassion for those in the medical field who expose themselves uh, to everything um, always to unknown illnesses are now faced with an unknown cure, yet they continue to serve and to heal us. The stories coming from our own neighborhoods I find particularly joyful. In Beaverdale, there's the bear hunt. It's on. Folks are putting their stuffed bears in their windows for children as they're out getting their exercise to spot the bears on the bear hunt. I heard of a St. Paddy's Day parade. Yeah, the big one was canceled, but three little Irish dancers uh, did their own parade in their neighborhood And they did sidewalk performances um, with their jig. Um, I love that. People came out to their decks and looked through their windows to watch the girls on their St. Paddy's Day parade. Um, To the stained glass windows that are being painted uh, using a little acrylic paint and uh, dish soap, by the way. It'll wash right off. Uh, It makes uh, a joyful remembrance of who is in charge. And so many are painting a cross in the center of their stained glass. Let's search out the good things, folks. We have enough news that is negative. Let's find the positive. There is always a silver lining. Hey, when we come back, we're going to be visiting uh, my co-host today, John Wynn, is the Director of Faith Journey Office for the Diocese of Des Moines. John and I will be visiting with Dr. Tricia Bruce. She is an affiliate of the University of Notre Dame Center for the Study of Religion and Society, as well as an Adjunct Research Associate Professor of Sociology with the University of Texas in San Antonio. We're going to be delving into why there are so many nuns, N-O-N-E-S. You know, is it a loss of freedom? Is it apathy? Um, Is it uh, judgment passed on the church that uh, we are not doing what we say we should do? It's time for Straight Talk, right now on Iowa Catholic Radio.
3: Impoverished children break everyone's heart, but poverty seems like such a big problem. What can one person do to make a difference? For 17 years, Blessman International's passion has been to connect the resources of our donors with sustainable programs that impact the lives of impoverished children in South Africa. Our donors are feeding thousands of hungry children every week, providing basic water and sanitation for impoverished communities and sharing the love of God in practical ways every day. Go to www.blessmaninternational.org and make your donation
5: Are you suffering emotionally or spiritually after an abortion? At Intervisions Healthcare, we believe you deserve healing, forgiveness, and support. We've found that there are no quick fixes, but meeting with others who share the same pain can be a good start. To learn more about this healing ministry, call Intervisions at 515-440-2273, 515-440-2273, and ask for a nurse. Intervisions Healthcare, it's a safe and confidential place to begin the healing you deserve. What is the best
1: gift ever? Well, some might say a Catholic education, and I agree. But if you think you can't afford Catholic education, think again. Apply for CTO, and you could receive up to half your tuition for kindergarten through 12th grade. More information is online, ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. Welcome back to Straight Talk on Iowa Catholic Radio. This is Jean Wells, and I do encourage you to text us throughout the show or throughout the day, 515-223-1150. Our text line is open. If you have questions about anything related to what's going on, I will pay attention and uh, get a response back to you. But you can text us now if you have a question for our guest, Dr. Tricia Bruce. She is the affiliate and affiliate of the University of Notre Dame Center for the Study of Religion and Society, as well as an adjunct research associate professor of sociology with the University of Texas at San Antonio. And my co-host, John Wynn, is director of Faith Journey Office for the Diocese of Des Moines. Uh, John, it's a great pleasure we get to welcome Dr. Tricia Bruce.
6: Yes, good morning and good morning to uh, Dr. Bruce.
1: Good morning, doctor.
6: Hello.
7: Oh, there it is. <laughs> I think the audio is. it's okay so to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. Now, normally I have all of my guests in studio, of course, when except when they are yeah. in another state. Um <laughs> but uh it's interesting for us to to do the show with two folks on the phone and Technology, we just pray is our mm-hmm. friend for the next hour. <laughs> <laughs>
7: right, it is a time of creativity. That's for it, it sure. Is. <laughs> it is. Hey, let's
1: let's go to the basic question first. What does religion mean to people today? I mean, is it important? Is it not important? What does it mean to people today, Doctor?
7: Yeah, you know, this is such a great question, and it's an inter- interesting time to ask this question. Uh, as a sociologist of religion, uh, you know, we tend to think about the ways in which religion is both deeply personal, but also really collective. And I think right now we're recognizing that, you know, religion for so many people has, um, you know, such deep personal meaning in terms of their own relationship with with, with Christ, with God, uh, and there's also this deep communal sense of it. It's a way in which we support each other. It's a way that we, um, come together, care for one another. It's a way that we cope with hardship. Um, it's a way that we think about caring for our family and consider questions of life and death. And so, you know, to me, this, this time that we're in is a reminder of, of the real power of, of religion, uh, that goes beyond just who we are personally, but, but into who we are together.
1: And we're going to delve into those at the at near the end of the show. I I came across a, a Facebook post of someone who really um, expressed despair, and they were raised Catholic and and no longer believe, and and uh, so keep that in mind, folks. You know that and pray for those that really are feeling a sense of despair because of what's going on in society. But um, doctors, we, we look, you know, I always look up a little research. I'm a numbers geek. Um, In 1970, Cara, Cara, the center for applied research in the apostolate at Georgetown university. It's always my, one of my uh, go-to numbers thing identified three and a half million former Catholic adults, compared to, in 2018, 26.1 million. I mean, those mm. are significant numbers. What's happened?
7: Yeah, yeah. It, it sounds like a social distancing from religion, doesn't it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, this, this is real. This is true. Um, and I, I think you, you used already that that term, the nuns, which, mm-hmm. of course, in a, a Catholic context, we, we usually <laughs> think of that in a different way. Yeah. Uh, but here we're talking about folks who... Uh, do not affiliate with a formal religion. Mm-hmm. So when you ask them, "What is your religious affiliation? What is your religious tradition?" None. They may say something like "None" or yeah, yep. "Nothing in particular." Uh, and this is true among many Americans. This is a real, um, actually pretty rapid rise uh, among Americans overall, even though, you know, more Americans than not are, we could say, sums rather than nuns, meaning they are still mm-hmm. affiliating. But there are more and more who are not, um, and Catholics are, are not exempt from that. So we're seeing these, these numbers rise to the level that you described, such that former Catholics can be described as one of the United States' largest religious groups. Uh, And and, uh, roughly one in three Americans who are baptized Catholic later depart the faith, uh, whether that means they convert to another tradition or disaffiliate from religion altogether. So this is a really meaningful and substantial trend that's taking place.
1: So is is being Catholic just too hard for folks and that's why they're opting out? Or is it just apathy towards God? I don't need him.
7: Yeah, this this is a great question. And of course, it it means different things for different people. But, you know, as as sociologists, we kind of try to pay attention to some of the patterns. And, you know, one of the the things that's happening has to do with level of engagement. Um, And oftentimes, it's not so much of a light switch where you're Catholic one minute and you're not the next. Um, it's, it's more of a, a, a spectrum in the sense that often what happens is that people disengage more and more, uh, and then eventually they're not engaged at all. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we've seen is that, um, we can think about Catholics as being in the core of the church. So these are the folks that, that are at mass, um, every week, perhaps more than every week. Maybe they're volunteering, maybe the Eucharistic minister or in the choir. These are the core folks in the church. Um, and then there are so many more who are at the periphery, so more of the edges. You know, maybe they don't come every week, or maybe they don't participate quite as much. And what we've seen over time is that the core is shrinking and the periphery is growing. Is and it because that the core
1: thing. is dying? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're yeah. aging. Yes. I mean, yeah. is that really this, where? Why that is shrinking, or is it? Are they leaving also?
7: Part of it, yeah. It's it's really important to think about the generational uh, element here because you know the the nice way to say it is is you know what we could call generational replacement. But but there's a <laughs> yeah there's a real there's a real trend here, which is that young people are much more likely to to be less engaged with the church, and to not affiliate with religion. And yeah, as you see older people passing on, um, younger people coming up who are less likely to be affiliated, and that's part of what's happening. And young people also interact differently with the church, too.
1: Well, you know, John John Wynn yeah. works on this um, faith journey, which is really helping everyone to grow in their faith. Um, John, you know, I, I look at this, and and you're a millennial, aren't you? Don't you fall into that bucket?
6: Uh, I fall on the very end of that spectrum, okay. yes.
1: So, I mean, doesn't that generation, doesn't your generation, that younger group, like to do things rather than just think about them? I mean, so you would think, like you're talking about Eucharistic minister and choir and all of those kinds of things, Doctor, that I would think that this would fit into your wheelhouse, John, that, you know, folks would be like, oh, cool, I can I can do rather than just
6: Pray. Yeah, that, one of the questions I, I also want to, uh, building on that, I'm going to toss it to Dr. Bruce and see what she thinks here. But okay. um, it seems at least to me that there's this, you know, religion, of course, the, the, the root of it means to bind together.
7: Mm-hmm.
6: <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So th- there's at least this kind of this notion um, for uh, folks at least older. I, I mean, I come from Vietnam, right? So we we grew up with this tendency, this inclination towards Following rules, uh, knowing sort of this this family dynamic bound together into a group. Um, I wonder how much of that has to do with sort of this this autonomy, right? This notion of freedom that the younger folks are being born into, um, sort of recognizing um, or or even thinking that there's a right to freedom, and so anything that sort of um, binds that freedom, or at least um, is bad, uh, right? Quarantines <laughs> it, if you will. Quarantines <laughs> that freedom is bad, <laughs>
7: right? Right. Um,
6: what do you have? What do you think yeah. of, of that? Um?
7: Yeah. Yeah, no, this is a, a really keen observation, uh, because you're, you're exactly right in the sense that there is a real privileging, particularly in the American context of, you know, as individualism. Uh, American Catholics have for decades, and we can talk about trends in Vatican too, but really engaged, uh, their own freedom or uh, individual consciences or what what sociologist Michelle Zellin has called interpretive autonomy, but this idea that one can discern truth with uh, not only listening to a, a hierarchical authority, but also engaging one's own uh, individual sense of it. And what that means potentially for some, yeah, is this tension that, that says, well, you know, what does it mean to bind together, as you say? And it, it does, in part, mean... Uh, bringing that level of individualism or person, um, into the collective. And it does involve some, um, engagement that sometimes for Americans who privilege this heightened level of individualism can seem threatening or like it is taking something away. And again, I think for young people in particular, um, this may feel foreign, uh, and we treat religion as more of a personal matter than we might have previously, uh, and, and it makes it seem easier to just not go to church on Sunday.
6: So is it a... a, a, a to follow up with that, is it a conscious um, relativism, or is it kind of in an unknown thing that it's just sort of this thing that they, they grow up in and then they just don't realize it, right?
7: Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, parents play a big part in this, of course, you know, so um, when, you know, what is your childhood context like, and how well, you know, we could talk about it as being how well socialized, how well socialized are you into the faith. Um, and part of the struggle here is that a lot of parents don't have the tools um to provide their children with a real clear formation in Catholicism and so mm-hmm. the the bond that they have to the church is lower so if someone for example is growing up less in the core and more in the periphery, right? So they're already standing at the door of the parish, and then once they go off to college or graduate high school and begin working, then suddenly church doesn't feel like a a priority. Another thing here that matters for for young folks, of course, is that they're waiting longer to get married. And for so long, Mm -hmm. you know, the root of the church and the entire structure of the parish was really designed around family life and going from your parents' home to you know, getting married and perhaps a, a traditional structure where where the the man is is the breadwinner and the woman is at at home and and all of these things now socially on a broader level are are changing and so for yeah. some it, it becomes a, a hard thing to uh, piece together and retain that participation in the same way.
6: Yeah, I I mean I won't go there, but I I do <laughs> think that the economic factor plays a huge role into this. Right, the, the, not only the autonomy, but you know. Uh, student loans, all of that stuff that plays into it, yeah. th- which delays uh, exactly what you're talking about, this marriage, having children, all of that.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and I can say from being that older generation, John, thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I never accuse you of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, you know, it, you teach your child we couldn't wait to be independent and then you know when i had children it's like teaching them to be self-sufficient and independent thinkers and then do you know what happened they grew up to become independent thinkers <laughs> yeah. how dare they not right. follow an, exactly what their mother believed and they were independent thinkers and and you know that whole concept of of generations living together and generations feeding on each other in in their growth, like John you were, you know, hinting at with your culture, you know, that was that was foreign to me. And so of course this binding, when we go back to that definition of religion, that binding Isn't as important, and now as a grandmother, I'm like, wait a minute! I like that binding thing. (laughs) You know, let's let's go back to that. But but we have a whole generation now that thinks, you know, rather than binding in family and binding in religion, I can just be spiritual. I can just be independent in my thought process and my relationships than Mm -hmm. being religious. And you hear that now a lot. Oh, I'm not. I'm not religious. I'm spiritual. You know, yeah. So what, well, is that, what does that movement tell us then about the future?
7: Yeah. You know, I, I think another thing that we have to bring into this, too, is this, this broader uh, suspicion or distrust of mm-hmm. institutions mm-hmm. more broadly um, and then of religion specifically. And uh, and I think in this, you know, there's uh, of course we have, uh, you know, the the horrific crisis of abuse in the church, which has just exacerbated this real the suspicion of religion and religious authority. And so there's there's, um, you know, for some it's a it's a the idea of spiritual but not religious is the notion that okay I can do things like believe in God, pray. Find meaning through religion without being religious, without affiliating, without participating in what some may feel like is just, has been damaged and is no longer offering this kind of of, uh, value. So part of that trend is reactionary to to this Mm -hmm. real deep suspicion and lack of confidence.
1: Well, and and I was having this conversation with my daughter on the way here this morning that, you know, that, um, that, you know the church says one thing but doesn't really do the other it doesn't really do it you know we, we you know god wants us to love everyone and until the church loves everyone including everyone who's making choices contrary sure. to the church teachings then you know why would they want to belong to a church that is contrary and you know i tried to defend the church that you know the church loves everyone but but you know, is everyone yes. welcome when they are choosing lifestyles that are contrary to god and that's I think that's the yes. the root issue is that they're choosing folks that are choosing contrary positions are choosing them to be away from God and not to be yes. with
6: him well I think part of yes. part of the maturing process is to to recognize that uh, genuine love from the other person is at times uh, at times will require them to correct me. Um, in wrongdoing and that's you know as as a parent um, of three young children I'm constantly <laughs> I'm constantly <laughs> correcting them uh, of certain things that they're doing that is, is Your wrong. Your kids
1: are perfect come on. <laughs>
6: <laughs> right my wife would say that uh, uh, but you know to 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 sort of allow that the 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 bad attitudes, the wrongdoings to continue is to do a disservice, not only that, but uh, to simply not love as as I'm called to do so. So mm-hmm. I I think, you know, um, being able to sort of correct some of those things is an expression of genuine love. Um, but how do we, how do we then, uh, doctor, um, communicate that to those, as we, we talk about the younger generation, that it's, it's you know, it's not simply us It's not simply the Church reprimanding uh, because the Church is arbitrary, but rather this is an act of love.
7: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, this is the... I, I, I admit that part of that is a tough question to answer as a sociologist, right? Because we, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, yeah, right, we, right. we end up being sort of the bearers of bad news. You know, yeah. Sure, yeah. So. Well, there, you know, for example, there's certainly a lot of disagreement with, uh, church teachings on a, on a variety of levels that, especially in the y- among younger generations. And, and so I think there's this balance, as you say, between, you know, standing, uh, with the, a, a given set of, of, teachings and traditions, which um, also carry this great appeal, but then pairing that with this um, element of building relationships and rebuilding trust in this broader context of either disagreement or suspicion or skepticism or recognition that someone may think, well, I don't really need religion. I don't need someone to critique me or make me feel guilty and so forth and so on. Uh, but then, to bring in instead this alternative message about what does it mean to share communally to be together um, in this uh, collective church mm-hmm.
6: yeah, and so so just uh, to to ask you to follow up with that, um you know we we talked there was a a research that came out. I'm sure you saw it, the the going going gone um, mm-hmm. by uh, Ignat- or uh, Mary's press. And um, they're talking about the three groups, you know, the injured, the drifted, the dissenter. Um, in, in your studies, what have been what has been one of the sort of the prominent um, dissenting uh, teachings or positions of the church that really sort of drive um, the younger folks away?
7: Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's well, a it's... that's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there you know, there there are certainly polls that ask questions about on um, agreements on particular issues and especially among younger Catholics. And sometimes it has to do with, uh, church's views towards homosexuality, same sex marriage, women, priests, uh, priests, not marrying, teaching around birth control, um, uh, Issues of, of, abortion, you know, these are things that, that oftentimes, um, come up. But, you know, I would, I would actually contextualize that a little bit, um, away from some of those issues and talk about, you know, some of my research has looked at the experience of, uh, first generation immigrant Catholics in the church, mm. um, whether, um, Asian Catholics or, um, Hispanic Latino Catholics and, um, and pairing that also with alternative, um, variations of the liturgy, including the traditional uh, Latin mass. And I bring that up to say that part of what I've seen, you know, what, I, I wrote a um, one book that I wrote a couple of years ago, is called Parish in Place, Making mm-hmm. Room for Diversity in the American Catholic Church. And it looks at this phenomenon of personal parishes that cater to uh, niche populations of Catholics in the Church. So essentially mm-hmm. folks, whether on the basis of ethnicity or, or language or liturgical style or otherwise, who are creating home, who are carving out a distinctive place. And this is super important because especially as we have the decline in priests, so you have a priest shortage, meaning that we know that we can't have five priests serving every parish. We're lucky to have one priest serving mm-hmm. a parish mm-hmm. now. So um, And so that um, increases the need for other kinds of ways to build community, because if we don't feel connected to each other, if the church doesn't feel like a a parish home, then that's only going to exacerbate this separation. So among Hispanic Catholics, for example, you're starting to see these trends whereby Hispanic Catholics are leaving the church. Well, why is that happening? Um, And then creating these these pockets of, of community and home whereby we can preserve these really meaningful traditions, you know, a, a place where Filipino Catholics can um, do some bangavi in the days uh, coming up to Christmas, or um, a way to bring in traditional celebrations that are meaningful. These are the kinds of things, I think, that are really important and really tangible, practical ways that local churches can think about how do we make people feel included so that they stay.
1: Let's, let's uh, take a quick break here at the bottom of the hour. And when we come back, we're going to look at some of the specific issues like the birth control and abortion and gay marriage and, and how much that has impacted the movement of folks away from the Catholic Church. You're listening to Straight Talk right now on Iowa Catholic Radio. What is the best gift ever? Giving a Catholic education is at the top of my list. Your contribution to CTO helps families send their children to our Catholic schools who otherwise could not afford it. In giving to CTO, you receive the best tax credits ever. Pledge or donate online at ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future.
0: Doing what is challenging because it's right. That's Blackbird Investments. In 2013, Blackbird Investments was born from the inspiration of St. Kevin. When it comes to building real estate, they look for creative solutions by forming strategic alliances, creating energy-efficient buildings, and engaging with local craftsmen. At its core, Blackbird Investments believes in giving buildings a new life. BlackbirdInvest.com. Blackbird Investments, doing what is challenging because it's right.
4: Thank you to Mercy One for their support of Iowa Catholic Radio from the cardiovascular experts at the Iowa Heart Center to the pediatric services of Mercy Children's Hospital and Clinics. Mercy provides complete care for central Iowa's adults and children with more than 50 primary care and specialty clinics in the Des Moines area. Find a convenient Mercy One location near you online at mercydesmoines.org. Father Kirby, pastor of St. Elizabeth Parish in Carlisle, will lead a 10-day pilgrimage to the Holy Land, August 3rd to the 12th. Walk where Jesus walked in Nazareth, Mount Tabor, the Jordan River, the Dead Sea, Jericho, Bethany, Bethlehem, and the Old City of Jerusalem. Learn more at crownofbethlehem.com. crownofbethlehem.com Support for Iowa Catholic Radio is provided by Carell Contractor, serving Des Moines site work construction needs for over 60 years, and the Iowa ENT Center, expert ear, nose, and throat care for adults and children.
2: The Iowa Catholic Radio Best Shot Golf Outing presented by Permar Security is Friday, June 12th at A-H blank golf course, 8 a.m. shotgun start. No matter your expertise, be part of the Iowa Catholic Radio Golf Outing presented by Permar Security. foursomes and individuals are welcome. Join us Friday, June 12th at A-H blank golf course for the Iowa Catholic Radio Best Shot Golf Outing presented by Permar Security. Registration and information at iowacatholicradio.com. The Iowa Catholic Radio Best Shot Golf Outing presented by Permar Security. iowacatholicradio.com.
0: Programming support for Catholic Women Now is provided by Iowa's injury attorney, Fred Haas. For over 30 years, Fred Haas has helped injured Iowans recover financial, physical, and emotional losses from car, truck, and motorcycle accidents, work-related injuries, and injuries due to negligence. Most importantly, providing the professional, personal, and responsive legal counsel that everyone deserves. Fred, double D, Haas, double A, the Des Moines Law Offices of Fred Haas. While we have time, let us do good. Here's your forecast on Iowa Catholic Radio. Looks like the clouds will stick around through the afternoon and our temperature around 50 down to about 40 and cloudy tonight. A low pressure system passes by tomorrow with a few showers and low 60s. The weather is being brought to you by Rock Valley Physical Therapy, outstanding outpatient physical therapy and sports medicine rehabilitation with seven convenient locations in the Des Moines metro and southwest Iowa area. I'm meteorologist Steve Hamilton on Iowa Catholic Radio.
1: Welcome back to Straight Talk on Iowa Catholic Radio. This is Gene Wells, and I thank you for listening today and for sending messages in about how much you like this conversation. I do appreciate your good words. Uh, my guest today is Trisha Bruce. Uh, she, Dr. Trisha Bruce, she is the uh, an affiliate of the University of Notre Dame Center for the Study of Religion and Society, as well as Adjunct Research Associate Professor of Sociology with the University of Texas at San Antonio. And my co-host today is John Wynn, the Director of Faith Journey Office for the Diocese of Des Moines. And, and we were talking about some of those specific issues that um, we in the show, we talk about things that give us angst. And this is certainly Mm -hmm. one that, you know, folks have an issue with the church's teachings around birth control. Some even have issues around our stance on abortion, gay marriage. Um, How much have those um, issues, those teachings driven people away from the church? Dr.
7: Yeah, this is a great question. And, you know, we can first say, well, how much has this disagreement enabled people to stay? And I I say that because there are a number of Catholics who disagree with some of these kinds of teachings but remain in the Church. Mm -hmm. Um, So birth control is, is a really classic example of this, you know, since... Vatican too, um the number of Catholics who disagree and/or practice differently, and yet continue to affiliate with the Church. But here we're talking about who who leaves. Um, and in fact, among those who left the Catholic Church to to become the nuns, the religiously affiliated, um, about uh, there was a, a research that was done by Pew that showed that about fifty six percent expressed unhappiness with the Church's teaching on abortion or homosexuality. Um, 48% were dis- displeased with teachings on birth control. 39% uh, reported that they were dissatisfied with the way that Catholicism treated women. Um, so there, there are these factors that, that play out. Um, but it's also important to, to note that you know the biggest reason that the nuns say that they left the church had to do with their spiritual needs not being met. And so I think when we raise some of these other issues, they're uh, within this broader umbrella of uh, a feeling of disengagement and disconnected. And so that disagreement, instead of saying with that, that dissent or those questions and remaining in the church, um, if one doesn't feel that their spiritual needs are being met, then they, they leave, they disaffiliate and bring that disagreement with them. Mm-hmm.
1: Is this happening in other um, religious organizations or is this unique to Catholicism?
7: Well, both. <laughs> in both and? That, okay. Uh, yeah, both <laughs> and. Um, well, we know that Catholicism is pretty phenomenal in its um, range of, if you ask Catholics, if you ask folks who affiliate with the Church, um, you know, how they feel about various issues and what does it take to be a good Catholic, and in fact, uh, various polls that sociologists run ask these kinds of questions, um, and of course including things like um, belief in, in the Eucharist and things like uh, treatment of the poor. These, ten, these things tend to stay pretty high on the list of what does it take to be a good Catholic. But then you have other things like uh, Uh, Where it seems like you can disagree with things and still be a good Catholic. Now, I raise that as a a contrast to other traditions because in other traditions, you know, it it may not take very much to decide, well, I'm going to switch from this denomination to another or I'm going to to move around and and leave. And so there is a lot of movement and a lot of um, either uh, religious switching or conversion happening among other traditions. Catholicism in general has a... a, um, in many ways, a, a stronger glue that holds together even those who do disagree, um, and yet it still experiences these same trends with the rise of the, the nuns and so many former Catholics out there among Americans now. Mm-hmm.
6: Do you find um, in your research, um, Dr. Bruce, that there is um, perhaps uh, a, a deficient um, understanding uh, of kind of this anthropology or the nature of the human person, um, when, when pe- um, you know the younger folks, especially when they leave um, the, the Catholic tradition, uh, is there a kind of a deficient understanding? Um, is there a need, sort of, for us to to teach more fully um, a, a, a Catholic mm-hmm. understanding of anthropology, especially in the Catholic schools or whatever else?
7: Right, right. Yeah, I think that's a, a great question and idea to raise because. You know, part of what what happens oftentimes is that um, Catholics, to the extent that they are raised in a uh, Catholic family, and and of course, folks are increasingly likely to be raised in families where not both parents are are Catholic, and so there's already some. Um, potential issues that come up with that. Uh, but then once you get to confirmation, and perhaps that happens in 8th grade or or somewhere, you know, a little bit before or a little bit after, then suddenly uh, m- maybe the formation is over at that point, right? And so right. then you go on to enter young adulthood and uh, these really key moments where you're making new decisions in your life as an adult, and I think for some young adult Catholics in particular, or emerging adults, so kind of 18 to 35, mm-hmm. Uh, I think you're right to point out that there may be an absence of, of tools or uh, language and, and um, thinking, moral thinking that comes from a, a Catholic place to be able to grapple with some of these really big questions mm-hmm. that, that young people deal with. Um, and that does potentially lead some to think, well, the church is not the place with the answers to those questions. I will look elsewhere for the answers to those questions.
1: So, what does this say for um, to our, our leadership in our church? That we what we need to do. What how do we address this going forward? Is it increasing our, our curriculum?
6: Right. What sort of advice do you, as a sociologist looking at this data, um, provide to you know uh, priests, bishops? Mm-hmm.
7: Yeah. I wish I had the magic wand and all the answers. <laughs> um, oh well I guess yeah. the show's over then. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's we were told
6: that you had it. a magic wand. Yeah. Oh,
7: that's right. There it is. There it is. Um you know, um I, I think a lot about parishes. Uh I you know, one of the the books I had recently was called American Parishes, Remaking Local Catholicism. And I do think there's something very meaningful about, you know, what happens in our local context among people we know and building relationships. Um, you know, part of what we've we've described already is a a distrust that comes from a fractured relationship, or maybe even the absence of a meaningful relationship um, with uh, others who share a faith perspective. And I personally think that that parishes and also um, leadership that comes from new vibrancy in the church, uh, including among. Um, Foreign-born Catholics. We have the highest proportion of foreign-born Catholics in this country than we've ever had, mm-hmm. um, and there's a lot of real energy there. And I think building upon um, meaningful uh, traditions and starting with with families and relationships at the local level are places where people create bonds that uh, really help them link and and stay linked to the church. And I do think this is this is why back to, to thinking about this moment in particular, I've just been absolutely amazed to see how churches have risen to this challenge of what does it mean to build a church when you can't go to church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're talking now about folks who have left the church and, and in a physical way, <laughs> we're not there. And we're at a moment where churches are being asked to reach out to people who are literally not in their doors so this is my my optimistic spin to say that I think there's a way to innovate, to think about what does it mean to yes provide education and information, but but I think relationships and community building is, is really what, uh, again, to, to bring back that definition that you mentioned, John, to bind together. If you don't mm-hmm. have the binding together, then in some ways any sort of education is lost without that relationship.
1: That's a perfect segue. We're going to take our final break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the impact that COVID-19 is having on the faithful. You're listening to Straight Talk on Iowa Catholic Radio. What is the best gift ever? Giving a Catholic education is at the top of my list. Your contribution to CTO helps families send their children to our Catholic schools who otherwise could not afford it. In giving to CTO, you receive the best tax credits ever. Pledge or donate online at ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future.
2: The Iowa Catholic Radio Best Shot Golf Outing presented by Permar Security is Friday, June 12th at A H Blank Golf Course, 8 a.m. Shotgun Start. No matter your expertise, be part of the Iowa Catholic Radio Golf Outing presented by Permar Security. Foursomes and individuals are welcome. Join us Friday, June 12th at A H Blank Golf Course for the Iowa Catholic Radio Best Shot Golf Outing presented by Permar Security. Registration and information at iowacatholicradio.com. The Iowa Catholic Radio Best Shot Golf Outing presented by Permar Security. iowacatholicradio.com.
0: Partial support for Catholic Women Now comes from injury attorney Fred Haas. When Iowans have been injured through no fault of their own, in a car, truck, or motorcycle accident, harmed in a work-related injury, or suffered injury due to negligence of others, Fred Haas has been on their side to help recover from financial, physical, and emotional loss. Fred, double D, Haas, double A. Online at FredHaas.com. The Des Moines Law Offices of Fred Haas. While we have time, let us do good. Thank you to Confluence Brewing Company for underwriting Christ is the Answer with Father Ricardo,
4: heard Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Confluence Brewing Company is a local brewery in Des Moines featuring seasonal and limited release beers. They have cans and growlers to go, apparel and other gifts for family and friends. Live music is featured in the tap room. Confluence Brewing Company is located off the bike trail south of Grays Lake. Thank you to Confluence Brewing Company for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio on the web at ConfluenceBrewing.com. That's ConfluenceBrewing.com. Vitae Family Care is part of the Iowa Catholic Radio family. Pro-life physician Greg McKernan, a DO, has practiced for 27 years seeing patients of all ages with just about every kind of need. Dr. McKernan lives his faith as a physician and is trained in NAPRO technology, allowing him to diagnose and treat many female conditions and even markedly reduce the occurrence of a miscarriage. VitaeFamilyCare.com Remember, Vitae is Latin for life.
5: Are you suffering emotionally or spiritually after an abortion? At InterVisions Healthcare, we believe you deserve healing, forgiveness, and support. We've found that there are no quick fixes, but meeting with others who share the same pain can be a good start. To learn more about this healing ministry, call InterVisions at 515-440-2273, 515-440-2273, and ask for a nurse. InterVisions Healthcare, it's a safe and confidential place to begin the healing you deserve.
1: Welcome back to Straight Talk I Iowa Catholic Radio. This is Gene Wells, and today we're talking about why those folks leave the church. And not just leave the church, but they, they identify themselves as nuns. Okay, not a religious order but folks who are <laughs> not affiliating with any religion. My guest today, my co-host today is John Wynn, the Director of Faith Journey Office for the Diocese of Des Moines. And our guest is Dr. Tricia Bruce. She's affiliate of the University of Notre Dame Center for the Study of Religion and Society, as well as the Adjunct Research Associate Professor of Sociology with the University of Texas at San Antonio. And, and Dr. Bruce, I um, I had shared with you uh, a Post from Facebook of a young gal who she's 34. She was raised Catholic. Um, I was actually her confirmation sponsor. A very a very Catholic family um, who mm-hmm. is now an atheist, and she really has a, a sense of despair when it comes to this COVID uh, nineteen pandemic. And um, I I, I want to share her post, but I also want to get your thoughts first on 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 folks that are choosing to have no religious affiliation no connection to god and how much events like this covid-19 can impact them to that sense of to that point of despair
7: yeah well it is it's a disorienting time i think for many people and i think that can be scary and frightening and it invites a sense of reflection uh for many of us right and i and mm-hmm. i think you know, on the thinking of the sociological side, it's a, it invites a, a moment to think: Wow, you know, how are we connected? Um, and what do I need? What do I? How many things can I not just rely on myself for? Whether it's groceries or mm-hmm. internet access or work or school or otherwise. Um, and for some, this becomes a scary moment where they might feel alone. Right? Or, or for others, uh, it's a reminder of how much they appreciate and need and love and support. So I, you know, the optimistic spin on this, and I appreciate your, your, uh, show of, uh, uh, intentionality about seeing the, the good in this. And I mm-hmm. think one of the good things is this opportunity to think, wow, you know, we can build supportive communities, um, that mean things to ourselves and, and to others and really come together during this time.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to share this post with folks and and really would hope for um, advice not only for this young woman, but for others that we may um, come in contact with during this trying time and how we may um, help lift up their spirits. So she writes in her post, this virus has me real bitter. A whole lot of people didn't give a damn, excuse my language, about the greater good or society at large until they realized it could affect them or their loved ones. A whole lot of people didn't give a damn about individual suffering under unforeseen circumstances, but now that it's in the public eye, it matters. Me and people like me have nothing to lose. We have no assets, only debts. Almost everyone I know was poor anyway. We were living in the recession of disparate disparate economies, and those who had didn't care. And you won't care when this is all over until the next crisis hits home. Everything has always been awful, and nothing has ever been good. Or everything has always been this great and this awful. It's just perspective and circumstances of birth. That's the difference. We should be grateful. It could be worse. You're totally right. So... There it is. It's like, you know, you see despair, you see um, anger, all because of this virus. What What does this say about folks that have given up on their faith? Well, you
7: know, to me, when I hear this, I think it's, um, it, it's, again, this sort of it's a moment of reflection, and mm-hmm. people have different reactions to that. and in, in this particular comment, you know, what I hear is a recognition of of need mm-hmm. and of disparity and of inequality. And you know, really things that um speak to a lot of what ironically the the Catholic Church and Catholic social teaching traditionally attends to. You know the care for the poor, the care for the marginalized, the mm-hmm. care for for the least, um, and and that even apart from affiliation. You know, so on on one level, to me, this becomes a conversation about affiliation and being in or out of the church. Um, but then, it, you know, to me it also raises questions about, well, what, what is the church and what does it mean to be church and to be church during this time? Um, and I think her question invites this real consideration of what does the response to this look like? And by providing that kind of response, maybe it also has the side effect of modeling um, a real meaningful connection to the church and to being Catholic. mm mm-hmm.
2: Looking
6: at uh, looking at this thing as a as a larger whole, um, doctor, the you know the COVID nineteen and everything else. Um, what what do you say to that old aphorism? There are no atheists in foxholes. We're currently <laughs> in foxholes <laughs> yeah. right now. Um, wh- wh- what's been your experience in terms of research and and you know um, for this?
7: Yeah, yeah. You know, one thing that I think that we can recognize with the nuns in general is that a lack of affiliation to the Church does not mean for all a lack of faith, um, or a lack of belief, or even a lack of prayer. Um, You know, and different nuns uh, practice and believe in different ways, but but um, the level of belief in God, to use as an example, among Americans is still quite high. It's especially high if you compare it to to other um, wealthier nations, more developed nations. Um, And so, yeah, this is a a moment where, like moments of of life and death or, you know, key um, rites of passage that we experience, I think this is one that raises questions for people. And to the extent that church leaders are, paying attention and thinking about what is the need and reading Mm -hmm. Facebook posts such as these, um, this is, this is a moment, you know, this is a, a time to stand up because people are paying attention and people are in need. And so I think what happens now really matters a lot for this, not only the swath of people who have left the church, but the ones who may leave or who are thinking about leaving in the future. So what the church does now, I think matters a lot.
1: I think that's a great place to wrap up that, that all of us need to know that people are paying attention and we need to live our faith as God wants us to and that others may be paying attention uh, to what we're doing in these times of trial. I want to thank our guest, uh, Dr. Tricia Bruce. Thank you so much, John Wynn, for co-hosting with me today. Jimmy Olson, my producer, and I'm Jean Wells. And today asking St. Stanislaus. He's the, uh, considered to be the patron saint of youth and young students and and those searching for the truth. May he guide us to always continue to search for our Lord Jesus Christ. St. Saint, saint Stanislaus, pray for us. Iowa Catholic Radio and Straight Talk is on the air because of your prayers and generosity, and we thank you for that. Please consider a tax-deductible gift online at iowacathicradio.com. Straight Talk is Tuesday at 10 a.m. and rebroadcast at 10 p.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio. Our podcast is always there as iowacathicradio.com. Stay tuned now for Christ is the Answer with Father John
0: Ricardo. God bless. Straight Talk, every Tuesday at 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio. With Gene Wells, brought to you by Blackbird Investments.